Welcome to the Epiphany Movement Podcast. To learn more about the Epiphany Movement, visit us online at epiphanymovement.com. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's talk from Pastor Drake Nelson. If you have your Bibles, turn there, Romans 8, 29 through 30. If you have your Bibles open, good deal. Good deal. And if you don't have your Bibles, that's no problem. It's on the screen, as you see. And um, thanks to Griff, by the way, who I don't, I think he's under the, uh, I think he's under the uh, council over there, actually. Oh, no, he's back there. He's like, I hate hearing my voice. Griff, thanks for um, everything you do. Can we just give Griff a hand, by the way? Because, uh, thank you, Griff. We love you. So here's why we wanted to talk about this. We wanted to talk about this text is because this text that you're reading throughout the last thousand, two thousand years has caused more division in the church than any other text. In fact, even among our own Southern Baptist Convention, two camps have been lodged. Two different ideas. One idea being that God predestines us. He calls us. Or in other words, He elects us. Another side of the count is saying, no, no, we have free will. We can choose what we want to do. We can accept God or we can deny God. And both camps have pitched a tent. And I have been to a youth camp with someone on the other side of the table and I've seen it happen this topic this verse come up and youth pastors that I admire that I respect will hit the table and say something like this you're crazy because a different person has a different understanding of this text it's called division everywhere so we want to talk about it and do the best that we can this morning and my hope is this my hope is this that we will understand God's word more not just this week but for the next couple of weeks and that by understanding God's word more you will fall deeper in love with the word of God and because you fall deeply in love with the Word of God, you will then fall deeply in love with the author of the Word of God. That is my hope, that we will all grow closer to Christ, fall more in love with Christ. But the idea, I've heard it, A.W. Tozer said it, and I've just kind of thought about it in my life several times, the idea of this free will versus uh, predestination, what does it have to do with anything? I remember me and Kat went on our honeymoon right after we got through getting married, and where did we go? St. Thomas and St. John, right? So we flew to the Virgin Islands, St. John, St. Thomas, and we boarded a flight. And when we got on that flight, we landed in the Virgin Islands. We stayed on St. Thomas, I believe, and we would shop around and then would hip, uh, like, kind of like, like hip hop over from St. Thomas to St. John. But here's what we did. When we 
went to New Orleans. We knew when the plane was going to take off, when we would board our plane down to the exact minute, when we would go get in the air, when we would get to St. Thomas Island. And once we got there, we were free to make decisions, all the decisions that we wanted to. We could go to do this excursion or that excursion, eat here or eat there. We could make any free choice that we wanted to. But the plane took us there and we knew it. And the plane, we knew exactly when. Saturday evening when it was going to take us back to New Orleans. And I would say in a, in, in a microcosm, that is a meta-narrative of free will versus predestination. That God knows when we are going to be born. You did nothing to birth yourself. You were just there. So congratulations. Thank your mom. And in most cases, we don't choose when we die either. God already has this. And in our lives, we are free to make choices here and there. So we're going to talk about Romans 29 and Romans 30. But before we get to those two texts, those two verses, let me say this. Don't neglect, don't forget the verse that says that comes right before Romans 29 because it starts off by saying for. For means you need to go back and understand what was the previous verse. But the previous verse before this is what? Romans 8, 20. You are some mathematicians in here this morning. Romans 8, 28, which says, do you know what Romans 8, 28 says? We all have it on our coffee mugs. For God calls us what? In all things, God works for the what? The good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. That's going to help shape verses 29 and 30. That God works in all things. That God causes all things to work for our good. Now that I've said that, I can then reflect on what we're now going to get, 29 and 30. So it starts off four. But guess what the next word, and this is the ESV, I love the ESV, but the translation I read, was it said, it said for what? God. For God what? And why does he say God right there? For God foreknew. And I love it how Paul just starts off right off the bat. And he says, you know what? Salvation starts with God. And I love that. That is like a glorious thought that salvation doesn't start. Ask yourself this, this, this question. Does salvation start with you? And I would say salvation starts with God. Meaning that before we ever like, made a mess out of our lives, before we ever said yes or before we ever said no, God said, you know what, I'm going to make a mess out of my son's life. I'm going to send him for God. And then, it, I, I love the little next part. It says, God did what? He foreknew. So what does this idea of foreknow mean? You know, a lot of times people ask, like, hey, what's your, uh, what's your testimony? And your testimony a lot of times will say, well, you know, we, we did this, we, we did this, we, 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 we heard and then we received and we gave our life to Christ. And for me, it was an October night, a Sunday night in October. Um, I think I was seven at the time that that happened, th- my testimony. But God is about to use a lot of past tense verbs, passive verbs in the Greek right here. He says, he Get this. He, do you get 
the suffix on this? For new. Then he's going to say, then he predestined, he justified, he glorified, he called up. Do you see how that's a past tense? It's all happened in the, fa- in the past tense. This is not our testimony about God. This is God saying, hey, look, let me tell you, this is my testimony about you. It's going to start with God. And the idea of foreknowledge then is this, is, is the, is, what does it mean exactly? It means to know something in advance, to know something beforehand. I love my translation. It's the NLT, and um, it, it reads like this. It says, God knew in advance. And humans have a type of foreknowledge, don't we? But it's incomplete. We call it forethinking, or for what? For thought. I'll give you an example. So when Kat was born, her dad had this idea that one day, Kat would want to graduate and go to college. And so his dad said, her dad said, you know what? When you graduate and go to college, you're going to need some money to, go to, to, to pay for college and also to meet this crazy guy named Drake at Mississippi College. No, he did not, definitely not know that. But he had an idea that, hey, she's going to want to go to college. So what did he do? What did he do? He started putting money back in an investment fund every single month. Boom, boom, boom. Because he had a thought that, hey, I think that my daughter is going to want to go to college. So his actions were different. He said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. But human forethought is imperfect. It's not always true. It's just a thought. But that's not how God's foreknowledge is. It's perfect. It's all complete. He knows every single thing that will happen. In our lives. So then the question is, well, what, what does that matter? Here's the rub. I'll tell you what the rub is. The whole debate between this side and between this side is on this idea of foreknowledge. And here's, here's the idea. It's said that foreknowledge can't mean a beforehand knowledge because if that were true then God would see you and he would say you did good therefore you get good you did bad and therefore you get bad but we know that God doesn't merit us on good or a bad action it's all grace that's that's what that's what Assad says Twitch, if you're paying attention this morning, you would say, right on to that. You would say, absolutely, that God steps to us before we step to God. That God knew beforehand that you are sinful, that you are going the wrong way, that you will never ever be able to make right our relationship. So what did God do? He did just what Kat's dad did. He said, I'm going to make a plan now and my plan is that I am going to send my son to die on a cross not based on what you have done or what you believed or what you know, I, good I saw 
on you, but because of what good I saw in me. And because of me, I'm going to step to you. God moved first. And that is a glorious truth. When we ask people, hey, uh, tell me about your testimony. How did you get saved? The idea normally comes up like, yeah, well, you know, I, I, I came to faith. And, and, but nobody comes to faith on their own. Nobody can save themselves. It's like, um, I, I, I like to think of this example or analogy. Suppose that you, you know, when you're in school and you're, I don't know, 8, eight 9, 10, 11, 12, something like that, and you're out on the playground. And when you're out on the playground, there's two team captains, and it doesn't matter if you're playing dodgeball, wolf ball, uh, basketball, two team captains pick, and they're like, okay, here's what I want. I want the most athletic probably person first, and then the second most athletic, and then it goes bam, 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 bam. And then they pick everybody, and then everybody kind of walks. And if you're well, one of the most athletic people and you got picked first, you're not going to understand what I'm about to say. But if you are one of the people that like, were one of the last picks, you're thinking, please don't pick me last, right? I, I, I don't want to be last. Please don't, uh, please don't make me be last. And finally, you're not even picked. You're like, okay, fine, I'll take you, and you take them. Let's go. And, and when it comes to this idea about foreknowledge, we think, oh, goodness, that's what God is doing. He's just, he just, he just stuck with me now. But let me tell you, church, that's not the idea. That's not it. It is God saying, no, I saw you. I chose you. I picked you first. I knew everything that you would do before you rejected me or before you accepted me, before you ever sinned. I knew it all at the beginning. And I said, I'm going to send my son anyway. I love you anyway. And that brings glory to God. We were not somebody who can boast about this. We are simply people who are drowning in a sea of sin until God in His grace pulls up to us in His ship and says, Hey, son, I'm here to save you. And we can't even get in the boat ourselves. That's how pathetic we are. He has to send His Son to step out on the waters and to grab us and to pull us into grace. But He does it and He knows it. And He's going to choose us every single time. God steps to us. I love what Ephesians 1, chapter, uh, verse 4 says. Ephesians 1, 4, it reads like this. It says, before, even before the, He made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. And then it moves on to the next word, and it goes from foreknowledge. Those he foreknew, he then what? He predestined. What does that mean? What does predestined mean? Predestined is simple. It just means like you, you predetermine something. You predetermine something. So what then did God predetermine? Let me ask you this, and, 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 I, and I'll say it, and I'll give you time to think. We are not Christians. First off, because what we decided about God. Think about that. We are not Christians, first off, because of what we, are deci what we decided about God.
we are Christians first off because what God decided about us we are saved, we are glorified, we are justified. Everything is going to say, not because we were like, God, 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 will you pick me? No, because God in his sovereignty said, yes, I'm coming to you. I'm going to walk your way. I choose you. That is why we are saved. That is the first step in salvation. And we are going to preach free will and human choice. But at the same time, we need to come behind the idea at, at the very same time and not run from it that, hello, God, God has chosen us first. Amen? And here's what I think. I think we as Baptists and as just like, like Christians that read the Bible, we read this and we, want, we, 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 we recoil. And I understand it. Because has anybody been to 30A um, down there? Send me a picture if you ever go. I can't afford it. You know, Ms. Mary, like, like I don't have that money. But if you ever go... Send me a picture. I'm sure it's great. But do you know what was filmed at 30A? Anybody know? The Truman Show. Have any of you ever seen the Truman Show? No? Nobody has ever seen the Truman Show? Well, how about the Matrix? Have you ever seen the Matrix? Red pill or blue pill? No, okay. Well, I know you've never seen Free Guy on Netflix, okay? Well, the idea of the Truman Show of the Matrix and the Free Guy is, is that every friendship is already predetermined for you is that we're just walking around in this life wh where everything is already decided. And, 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 and people hear that and say, my friendships have already decided, my relationships, my job is already decided. And we recoil from that and we say, no, 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 I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. But that's not what predestination means. Predestination is, it simply means this, is that God knew, hey, you can't make it on your own. You can't do it on your own. So I'm going to predecide something about you. I'm going to to predecide something about us all that I'm going to send my son when you couldn't I can and he sends his son for us get this Revelation 13 8 says before the foundation of the world God's son Jesus Christ was slain for us before the foundation of the world so there is no bragging there is no ah uh, uh, I heard a sermon one time, and it was a good, it was, my youth pastor actually gave it, and he's actually my parents' pastor now. He was my youth pastor growing up, but now he's my parents' pastor, so um, that's kind of weird, but his name is Sam Taylor. I love Sam, and I listen to him every, almost every week, not every week, but almost every week on Facebook, of all things, and um, he was giving this great sermon, and he started talking about the guy on the middle cross. And he said, just imagine what the man on the middle cross said. When he finally got up to heaven and, he, and, and they came up to him and they said, Hey, hey, I'm glad you're here. Can you define for us uh, the inerrancy of Scripture? It's like, what? Can you define for us the atonement of sins? Can you define for us penal substitution? Can you define? And he's like, no, no I, can't define, I can't define any of this. What are you talking about? And finally he gets frustrated and he just looks at him and he says, I don't know any of the questions you're asking. All I know is that there's a guy on the middle cross and he told me he could come. And that's what we're saying is that when we get to the end, it's not I did this, I chose this, I was this type of way. It is that the guy on the middle cross, he died. 
died for us. He told us that we could be here. He told us that we could come. It's that God should have kicked us out, but he said he accepted us. He loved us when he should have hated us. He, he brought us into the flock when he should have said, you have no reason to come around. He loved us and gave his son for us. He said, you know what? I'm making a way when there was no way. I love it because, you know, when the Bible teaches um, free will, we want to hang on to that with all of our might. And when the Bible teaches predestination, we want to hold on to that with all our might. So then what's the problem? Where is the problem at? Why do the two butt heads? Here's why. Let me just throw this out there. It is because many people have the idea that God says, Oh, son, come on, come with me. I want you to be saved. I'm sorry, not today. You can't be saved. Oh, yeah. And And it's the idea that he picks and chooses who is going to heaven and who is going to hell. And because of this, a huge division. So is that true? And I stand before you today and say, absolutely not. And there's no way that it can be true. Because 2 Peter 3, 8 says this, is that God desires no one, none to go to hell. That God desires none to perish. And so God's desire for everybody is that they come into a relationship with Him. And that's not what the predestination means. What predestination is talking about is God said, hey, I know you're going to go astray. I know you're going to go down this path. So I'm going to decide something about you before you ever. I'm going to say, hey, I'm going to send my son to die on a cross for you before you ever do anything. And to that, I think everybody can say yes and amen. So we keep on going. And then we ask the question, well... What does it mean when he says, and if you want to put the text back on um, Griff, the uh, Romans 8, 29 and 30, it says, For those whom Christ foreknew, he predestined, and when he predestined them, he chose them to become the likeness of his son, so that his son would become the what? The firstborn among all creation. And we read that and we kind of scratch our head, firstborn among all creation. What does that mean? Listen to me now. Listen to me. That's what my history teacher always, my baseball and my history teacher always used to say. Jesus is the only being that was not created but was born. I'm going to say it again just in case you missed it. Jesus Christ was the only being that was created 
but not born. You say, well, what about Adam and Eve? No, they were created, but not born. God made them from the rib. Jesus is the only being that was created, not created, but he was born. And I know I probably stepped on, if I haven't stepped on your toes yet, I, 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 I mean, I probably will now, so it's okay, and I'm, I'm cool with it. But two weeks ago, y'all, we talked about false doctrine and the danger of false doctrine. And let me bring it up right here because there is an idea out there that really, and, and, and I mean this with all respect, but it is, I won't say the word I'm thinking of, but it is, it, it is hell-leading in every way. And it's, it's this idea that salvation is just to enrich our lives. That Jesus Christ came to make us happy or so that we can have a bigger or... It's this idea that salvation is for us. Yes! And let me speak 100% against that this morning. Is that salvation, first and foremost, is not for you. It's not for us. It's not. The only reason that we were saved, the only reason that you were saved this morning, the only reason that we're here is so that God will have glory. That we will bring glory to God. That is why we are here. That somehow in our being, that we will live lives that make much of God, that glorify God, that uplift God. God's salvation is not for us to go around and li live these lives of, oh, I'm so happy now. No, God's life is that through you living a holy life, that you will bring Him much, much, much glory. That's the only reason that we are here. And this verse is saying, hey, look, at the end of the day, guess what? God's going to be the firstborn. Christ is going to be the firstborn. He is going to be rule over all creation. And creation then will give glory, honor, praise, majesty back to the same God that they defiled. That is why we are here. And it keeps on going and it says for those that He was firstborn, those He predestined, He also, and this weird word is called called he also called so what does that mean let me just speak for like me personally okay i'm just speaking personally on my behalf for the next couple of minutes i'm just going to speak for me when i was saved i heard the gospel the sunday night like i said october i was saved okay but when i was saved christ was convicting me the Holy Spirit in my life was convicting me, was stirring something up within my heart saying, hey, respond to the gospel. Respond to the gospel. And man, I just broke down because I could feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. God's Holy Spirit was calling me. And I responded. Do you understand this? And I have talked to several people and their story is the exact same. And I would just ask, if that's your story, and you say, yes, when I got saved, I felt God's Holy Spirit 
speaking in me. I, I won't get you to raise your hand because I'll be nervous too. But is, did that happen to you? Do you, God's Holy Spirit are working us, calling us to step towards Him? Man, I've talked to people even this week. Uh, I was talking to a girl the other day, and I was just speaking, and I said, have you ever even read the Bible before? And she responded. She said, no, not really. I've never read the Bible. And she was quoting to me the Bible, like word for word, verse by verse. I said, there's no way you had these thoughts and you've never read the Bible. She said, I'm telling you, I've never read the Bible. You could just see the Holy Spirit working on her, trying to draw her into Himself. And the idea is that the Holy Spirit is the one who draws us. The Holy Spirit is the one who calls us. But we have to what? Answer that call. We can't just say, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna accept it. I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm just gonna ignore it, ignore it, ignore it, ignore it, ignore it, and then I'm just I'm gonna go to heaven. That's not how it works. It works that when the Holy Spirit calls, you have to say, Hello, I'm here and I love you, I receive you. And make Jesus Christ the Savior and Lord of your life. Those He called, He also did what? Do you see this? He justified. What does justified mean? Justified simply means to make righteous. To make righteous. He gave you right standing with Himself before you ever did anything or anything right or anything wrong. And then lastly, it says those He justified, He then what? He then glorified. And I love this. I love this. He made His glory in us. We get to share in Christ's glory. We have been foreknown by God. And because of that, He started to do a predestining, a predetermined work for us, sending His Son, Jesus, before the foundations of the world. And those He predestined, He has given us a calling in our life. And because of that calling, we are justified by the Holy Spirit, by Christ's work on the cross. And because we are justified, then we are then glorified through Christ Jesus. It has already happened. It just hasn't occurred. It has already happened, our glorification. It just hasn't occurred yet. And so I'll be foolish in this room not to think that there's someone in here thinking, man, this sermon is like, like convicting me or whatever, and like I've learned some stuff hopefully, but you know, I'd be ignorant not to think that there was somebody in this room thinking, well, did God foreknow me? Did He predestine me? Did He justify me? Did He glorify me? How do I know I want to be one of those? But, but how do I know? I mean, I was the one that was rejected by all the kids. I was the one that, I was the last pick on any team. I've been rejected by all humans, and now you're telling me that I have to think, is God going to accept me or reject me? No, that is not it, ladies and gentlemen, this morning. That is not it. If you even have that thought, let me say, God is already working in your heart, because if you're wondering this morning, 
morning to God foreknow me? Guess what? You didn't have that thought by yourself. God is pricking your heart right now. Come and accept me. That is not how any of this works, how the commercial says. God has said, I have sent my son that, what? That so whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God is not this morning saying, no, you go to heaven, you go into hell. He desires that all of us come into a relationship with him. And so the idea this morning is to say, hey, where are you at? Where are we at? We know that God has already made the first move. That's wrong. I, I, I like drop the mics, but let's not drop the baby. That would be bad. <laughs> so we come to the end of the talk today, and we ask the question, can you, can you explain this whole idea of free will and predestination in one phrase? Because I need to know it. I need something easy. And I'll say, yes, I can. I, I think that I can. I really do. And it goes something like this. Is that God saw you in your enmity towards him. And he said, I'm going to send a son. I'm going to predestine my son to come after you. I'm going to take the first step. I'm going to make the first move. I'm going to call those who have rejected me. I'm going to love those who have hated me. I'm going to love those who are sinners and turning against me. That's what God does for us. And what is it? Romans 3 tells us, the wages of sin, actually it's Romans 6, says what? The wages of sin is death. But what, what now? The free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. So the gift is on the door. We didn't do anything to earn that gift. We didn't do anything to deserve that gift. But yet, it's still at the door. And so if the Holy Spirit is knocking, the question at the table is, will you take your free will, your choice, your love for Christ and say, I'm going to let Him in. I'm going to unwrap that free gift. I'm going to love Christ with all of my heart because I know that I am in need of a Savior. I am in a sea of sin. I'm drowning and saying, God, will you help me and God has come up into his boat he has put his hand on us in all of his grace and said here let me help you will we deny will we turn around like Peter did or will we accept the loving arms of Christ and say will you please become my Lord that is the gospel that is salvation and that is believe how I think that we say all this division all this disunity all these flagship poles we should turn in and say both and. Both and. Because they work together. They work together so that me, me and you may have salvation because God so loved us that he took the first step. Amen. And amen. Let's pray. God, thanks for everything that you've given us. God, thanks for letting us be here today. God, I pray that that you will, will you make this, 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 this sermon, this, this difficult text in the Bible that probably causes more division than any other text, than any other text, God. I pray that you would illuminate this for us and make it make sense so that we can take that confidence and we can say, God, wow, 
you love me that much that even now when, I, when, when I'm praying, you, you know, you know if my heart is pricking and you even know what I would decide. But God, that you have left it up to us and God, we thank you so much that you didn't let us just drown in the sea of sin, that you didn't let us drown in our own death, but God, you sent your son so that we can have eternal life through him. We love you and we thank you so much. In your name I pray, amen and amen.